Coming to you from the brilliant minds of Hipster at Home, you're listening to We Should Start a Band, a podcast about the trials and tribulations of being suitably hipster. Hi, and welcome back to We Should Start a Band. I'm Cold Brew Kombucha, and I'm joined by... Heritage Avocado Toast. And Retro Denim Jacket. Today, we're going to be getting into board games and game night. But before we roll the dice on that, we tried the coconut whipping cream. Oh, finally. And we could not really get it to whip. Oh, no. So we will be finding a new way to use the coconut whipping cream. It tastes delicious. We just can't get it to whip. So going to look into that. There you go. But otherwise, let's get into board games. Well, I guess the first thing is why we're talking about board games or game night. It's central to every friendship. Yes. It's a bonding moment. For me, game night is interesting because you learn a lot more about your friends. Yes. So there's that one person who has a competitive streak that you never knew about. There's that person who's really up on their trivia and you you had no idea. It also highlights the sort of strengths and weaknesses between your friends. <laughs> Not in a, you know, battle-ready kind of way. <laughs> For instance, I am terrible at Scrabble, but then some of my friends are very good at spelling. Some think on their feet a lot faster, whereas others are more strategy-based. So it really does make you learn a lot more mm-hmm. than just a standard pub night. It widens your hanging out repertoire. Yes. Yes. Board games have become trendy again. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the games we play are not your standard run-of-the-mill. I don't think any of us own Monopoly. No. Uh, well, I do. It's Anna Monopoly. Um, <laughs> because, what? of course. Is it animals? Yeah. Yeah. You can buy a no-cappy. Like those weird ones with like the yeah. deer neck and the giraffe legs. Yeah. It's one of them. Where Where did you get this from? Uh, I don't know. I got it. My like parentals found it when I was about like sixteen, and we're like, she needs that. She she needs that version. Oh, hmm. see, I was n- I've just never been a big Monopoly person. I like the kids' version because it goes a lot quicker. It is dumbed down a bit, obviously, but it keeps it from being one of those games that you have to play for like four hours straight. That's the thing. It lasts forever. Nobody actually likes each other at the end of it. I don't think it meets all of the requirements for being a a board game that I would play on a game night. No. And no one's bold enough to say, this is over. Yeah. You can always tell that most people have checked out pretty early on in the game. Yeah. I think there is a short game version in the directions where it says, once everything's bought, shuffle it around and then count your money at the end. But no one plays like that. Well, and the other thing is, if you suggest it, then people get upset because that's not how we play it. We play house rules. Yeah. You can't bring your house rules to someone else's house. It's not mobile home rules. Well, speaking of mobile homes. What's the point of shuffling it up and selling at the end? Is that That's the shorter version? I don't understand that. Yeah, what is that? And then we'll get back to, I know where you're heading with your... Uh... Yeah. It's supposed to be a 45-minute play. And so it's kind of a cutoff point. And so once everything's bought on the board, you go through, swap everything, and then count your money at the end. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Not swapping houses like you would do in another game you were starting to get to. So excited. 
I think one of the things about a hipster game night is that you try to find games that aren't as mainstream. So one particular game that we want to recommend to you, listeners, is Redneck Life. It's like the traditional game of life thrown on its head and with a uh, very heavily redneck theme. Yeah. It's not particularly flattering to that lifestyle. No. Really, what's a game if someone isn't a little offended during part of it? <laughs> it it heavily plays on the stereotypes of, you know, sort of the American hick. Yeah, I guess. Well, the whole point of the game is to be the player with the most teeth at the end. I think that summarizes it pretty well. Yeah. Yep. I think if you are a Monopoly player and you go into playing Redneck Life, you'll be very frustrated because you never actually have money. You are constantly in debt Mm -hmm. and you have to pay for things and accrue more debt. I think one of the great things about Redneck Life, besides the hilarity of it, the losing teeth and all the youngins. Redheaded stepchildren named Daryl. Named Daryl. Yeah, the references too in it. I mean, that's a reference to a TV show. The names of the vehicles and the names of the houses heavily lean into the theme. It's not a short Mm -hmm. game, but it moves along and it's a really good game for a group. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless you roll really slowly. Yeah, and it feels like it moves. I don't hit halfway through redneck life when you decide to sleep with the lawyer or not when you get divorced mm-hmm. and say, I'm bored. No. I feel engaged the entire time and then look at my watch and I'm like, oh my gosh, well, there's three hours that were well spent. Yep, exactly. And we've actually managed to play it with friends via Zoom. That's fantastic. It was their suggestion. <laughs> So it hadn't occurred to us that this is a possibility. They've got a copy and we've got our copy. And so we both set it up on either end and just made sure that nobody used the same cars or the same houses and played it that way. And it was really fun. Made a good long distance game. Yeah. That says a lot. If you can, first of all, like a game enough to convert it to a Zoom game, but also can play it over Zoom, like especially now, that's the uh, indication of a good game. Exactly. We actually like to have game nights with our friends, but it became even more important during lockdown. Mm -hmm. And it would be really nice to have it be something that we could carry on even after, especially with our family living overseas. Maybe we found a way to do more game night type stuff when we can't be there. Unfortunately, so many board games do not lend themselves to that, which we did find. But one board game that does is Trivial Pursuit, as long as you have enough people who have the cards. Which I feel like is a pretty standard, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like everyone has an old school version of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Or a, some weird version. Now, I do have to ask the opinion of you two, your opinions on the sort of specialty editions or collector's editions of Trivial Pursuit. It's like the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, Disney Trivial Pursuit. How do you feel about those? Well, the original Star Wars is fine. I don't like any of the others, though. There's no prequels. Do they put them into the Trivial Pursuit? Well, actually, we had a Trivial Pursuit prior to the prequels coming out. Yeah. What, the Star the- Wars edition? Yeah. Yeah, it was just episode four, five, six. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. I mean, they're the best anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not a debatable topic on that. <laughs> But I'm kind of torn on that because as much as I like themed trivia, one of the things that I like about Trivial Pursuit is the fact that the categories are different Mm -hmm. and that it's a real grab bag of trivia. Yeah. I prefer the dedicated theme. 
Really? Okay. I feel like sometimes, though, it's hard to find, like, I'm assuming there's a Harry Potter one that exists out there. I've never looked for it. I'm pretty sure there is. There has to be. Harry Pursuit. But if you have a group of people and one person hasn't read the books or seen the movies, you're kind of fluffed. Yeah. And we had the Disney edition, um, along with the, I don't remember if we had Genus or Master, but either way, we had one of the originals, and then we had the Disney one. That was generally okay, because it mixed in Disney as well as general trivia. Mm. It was nice growing up, because it had a kid's box and an adult's box. Oh, that's nice. You know what had... Both a kid and an adult version that's a solid game, but definitely one you have to play in person is Cranium. The only downside to Cranium is that we had to replace the Play-Doh in ours because it dried out. Yeah. Did you say there's a kid's version of Cranium? There is. There is. It's really cute. It didn't strike me as a particularly adult-focused game to begin with. No. It comes with (laughs) Play-Doh. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, anything that's Play-Doh. It's just some of the questions are a little bit easier. It's not focused on big brain stuff. Oh, okay. You know, what's an animal that has black and white stripes and your five-year-old can say a zebra? That's true, actually. Thinking about some of the questions on Cranium probably would be a bit above a kid. I always forget about Cranium, though, because the Play-Doh dries out. But also, I think it's one of those things where so many people shy away from things like Pictionary Mm -hmm. and charades. Mm -hmm. We used to play catchphrase all the time, which is when you pass around that disc and it has a name on it, and you're supposed to talk about it and get the next person to guess it without saying the word. And like that just felt so much more accessible than something like Pictionary, where a person feels like they need to be an artist or need to draw. Yeah. I think the best part about Pictionary or anything like that is it's clearly depicting what you're intending. Everyone else in the room is just a moron. For not understanding. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is, usually the moron is also on your team. Yeah. Well, I prefer team games in general. I don't like solitary board games. It's better to be random teams, guys versus girls, anything that builds like a bit of a rivalry in the room. Like this Monopoly team doesn't work so well. No, probably not. Trivial Pursuit, though, because it can drag on for a very long time, is really good as a team game. Yeah. Yeah, individual Trivial Pursuit is is painful, I find. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I love some good trivia, but there are just certain things that I am not equipped to answer, usually sports related. Yeah. And also when you just can't think of that, you know, you know it, but you can't think of it. Hopefully somebody else will. The only downside sometimes to a team one is that you can talk each other out of the correct answer. (laughs) Done that. We're really good at that when we play with our friends. I've been told that when I'm wrong, I tend to get even more emphatic than when I know the answer. I know. I always second guess myself, even if I do know it. One of the things, too, is um, when you're playing with a group and if the other group has it, but looks like they're starting to talk themselves out of it and someone on your team is making a face and you're like, stop making a face because we don't want them to know that they had the right answer. Just let them talk themselves out of it until they say their fi- what their final answer is. Yeah. Gotta have a good poker face. Yep. Well, speaking of non-competitive, more in the line of teamwork, one of the games that we got over Christmas that we really like is Forbidden Sky, which is part of a trilogy of games. And what you do is you're actually playing against the game itself. Oh. So you're playing as a team with, I forget how many players you can play up to. two to six, I think. Yeah. Because there's only six heroes, you each get a hero card. Okay, yeah. And each person, like each character has their own strengths and weaknesses. 
And you basically have to, it's usually a storm coming in or something like that. I think the island is a flood coming in. Something. Some time-sensitive pressure yeah. to keep you moving. And as it goes, it get, it like ramps up. But there's all of these different things that can happen to you. So, for instance, for Forbidden Sky, you can get electrocuted or you can get blown off the platform. <laughs> You're basically trying to build your escape. Uh. And what's really cool about it is that it's not just a card game. And like a board game, because you're building the board as you go. But it's also got bits to it. So you build the circuit. And then once the circuit is built, if it actually is built correctly and works, then the little rocket thing starts to beep. Oh my gosh. And then makes little takeoff noises. And if not everybody is there, then you like accidentally leave someone behind. And then obviously (laughs) you lose. I do have a deep love for games that require a bit of setup. Mm-hmm. Like the old school version of Mall Madness, where you spend 10 minutes setting it up. Yes. But it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And then when the thing starts to beep, because there's now suddenly going to be a change in sales and everything, you've got to scurry around. Yes. There's a clearance at the department store. <laughs> and it's great. Your money never runs out. You just run to the bank, you just throw your credit bank. card in, and it just gives you money most of the time. And your shopping list of things you're supposed to get is completely ridiculous things that no one ever needs. I didn't know I needed a parrot from the pet store. Exactly. But apparently I did. Yeah, that was a good game. I do miss that game. And also Dead End Drive. Yes. I love 1313 Dead End Drive. It's like a mousetrap, but fun and for adults. Yes. Because yes, you are trying to kill people off. I haven't played that one. That one is really fun. Um, The only problem is... It's such an intricate setup that if somebody accidentally hits the board, and you used to be able to do this with Mousetrap as well, if you Mm -hmm. accidentally hit the board, you can set all the traps off, Mm -hmm. um, which is really annoying. But the idea was that you essentially set up all of these different ways of killing the other characters. I can't remember if one person's the murderer. No, so it's a little old lady that died is the setup for this. Right, and it's the last person alive gets her money or something. Yes, and there's a line of succession. Yes. You play several players, and you're trying to kill off the players that are ahead of you so you can win the entirety of the inheritance. The line of succession changes, like it's random. Yeah. The cards with the faces are in a picture frame above the fireplace, and when the person who was there dies or whatever, the next one comes up. So once yours comes up, you want to try to stay alive. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to move around the house, but you want to try to stay away from the traps, and you have to try to stay alive until the detective makes it to the door. Yes. The way we used to play it as well was like a twist, and I don't know if this was an actual rule in the game or not, but if somebody tried to trigger a trap and it failed and it didn't kill your character, then you were fine. <laughs> so if you were like on top of the of the bookshelf and they tried mm-hmm. to trigger the bookshelf trap and for some reason it didn't go off, then it's like, okay, well, you're cleared. That's that's amazing. I like that rule a lot. Or if, if the chandelier dropped and your character didn't fall over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mean physically, like it just didn't knock your character yeah. over? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I like this house rule. <laughs> it just requires you to be very careful setting up at the beginning. But also, if somebody accidentally bumped the board and the yep. chandelier fell, then that might count as you dying. Yep. But then it was, well, you hit the board on purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think my favorite way to die will either be down the stairs, where mm-hmm. you flick it and your character just falls just down. Just falls down the stairs. Or yep. spinning the fireplace. The fireplace was a where fun Where you just one. burn them alive. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I actually always loved the chandelier. Yeah. I don't know why, but dropping the chandelier was always the most fun for me. Yep. It's like a better version of that basket in Mousetrap that starts at the top, and when you yes. bump it, it falls all the way down. Yep. But more death. Yeah, I was never a big Mousetrap fan, I have to admit. I don't know anyone that actually enjoys that game. Like, I feel like everyone bought it when you were kids because it was fun to set up and it kept your kids busy, but, like, no one actually enjoys it. No. Sorry, which was that? Mousetrap. I mean, they had lots of good commercials. Did have good commercials. Maybe that's why everyone bought it. Great branding. Well, speaking of games with long setup, there's Axis and Allies, which is like risk mm-hmm. on steroids. That usually takes, on average, according to Wikipedia, sorry, this is coming from the research department, it takes about 10 to 30 minutes to set the game up, and it's 2 to 10 hours to finish. Oh my god. I remember leaving Axis and Allies, mm-hmm. like, mid-play sometimes. Sure. It's way longer than Monopoly. Yeah. Is it more fun that you're more engaged than Monopoly? I think yes. it depends on, well, I think it depends on your preferences. Yeah, I mean, Axis and Allies and Risk are still the types of games that can end friendships. That's fair. Especially if you were expecting somebody to help you out and they didn't. Mm-hmm. I do remember playing it in high school. It was a commitment. There was a group of us that used to get together and play on the weekends, and that one was one of the ones that if we were going to play it, we all knew we were going to have to commit to a Saturday and a Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And you usually call which country you were going to be beforehand. So it is like risk. It's is it actual countries or it? Yeah, I think it's America. I think they call it Great Britain and Russia. Russia versus Germany and Japan. Yeah, I think because you didn't usually nations. want to be Russia because Russia was the hardest. Russia got a lot of decent benefits, mm-hmm. but was an extremely difficult one to play because you were playing on two fronts. So basically, like regular russia in the war yep another one we used to play back then was uh settlers of Catan, which has definitely taken off again now that it's uh, available online i know people that still play the board game and i know people who have like four expansion packs for it uh, we have the board game but we don't have the expansion packs never ended up getting them because there's the ocean one and i always wanted the ocean one i forget what the others were I haven't played the online version, though. I have not either. I don't think I've ever actually played the original. Like, oh, it's fun. Maybe once. It's fun, but I tried it's, to get through it. It's such a nerdy game, and I think it's quite funny that it's become super trendy now. I think this is the thing that so many games that were nerdy games are now trendy because it's so trendy to be nerdy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially with, you know, lockdown and what you can do virtually or online. Yeah. Has definitely highlighted a lot of those games and no one's stuck playing only online poker anymore it's like the game industry was like you know what it's going to be important that we're online i do wish some more games were though because one of the things that i've really missed playing is things like apples to apples and cards against humanity Mm -hmm. and those games feel like they should be something you can do virtually but they're really not no there's no good way no it's not like you can have everyone, like, WhatsApp in their answer to the person who's the judge because they'll know who it came from. Yep. Those two games are, I mean, Cards Against Humanity, you know what you're doing going in. But mm-hmm. apples to apples, you really got to read the room as far as how bad you can put stuff in for. Yeah. That's what I always liked about apples to apples is that Cards Against Humanity, it's all inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Apples to apples, you could play with somebody who 
isn't inappropriate or takes things very seriously. And that really changes the whole dynamic of the game. Now, those people are no fun, though. <laughs> well, and some people don't uh, tailor them to the crowd. <laughs> That's the thing. It, you can have what you think is a really great combination, but sometimes you just have to take the loss because you didn't read the judge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes a big difference. It does. And I think that also, it's one of those things that you learn a lot more about your friends. Mm-hmm. I always like the fact, too, that they had the writing cards that came in the kit so that you could write in things that you felt were missing that should have been there. Which were always suitably horrible. Yeah. Apparently in Cards Against Humanity, there's, I don't know, it's like, I don't know whether it's the special edition or the regular one, there's actually an extra card in the lining of the box. Yeah, so I heard this and I couldn't figure out which it was either or if it was like an urban myth type of thing. I've seen it. It exists. You've seen it? Yeah, but I can't remember whether it was the, because whoever had it had both the expansion and the regular, so I can't remember which one it was in, and I think it was the expansion, but it does, in fact, exist. What is the point of a card in the lining? It's um, a particularly offensive one. <laughs> but yeah, it's an, I think it's something that we would have to mark the podcast as explicit if we were to say it. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> well then. Mm -hmm. There goes that episode. <laughs> <laughs> And I've been, I mean, it's not anything you can do over Zoom or anything, but I've been playing a lot of drinking games for obvious reasons during quarantine with my family. <laughs> and one of the best ones that I had never seen before, my little sister informed me about was tic-tac-toe. And it's flip cup with tic-tac-toe. So you tape a board in the middle of a table with masking tape. Mm -hmm. And then... There's X's and O's on the bottoms of your glasses. And so you pour a little bit of whatever we were using, Trulies. So some basic stuff. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> trying to censor that one. <laughs> but, uh, so we, you do that and you drink, you flip it. And once it's upside down, you can put it on the board. Ah. So we've never played that, but we did make... Did it for my birthday a couple of years ago. Battle shots. My goodness. I've seen different versions of online, but I don't see any point in buying it when it's a lot of fun to make. So we basically took a couple of old pizza boxes, spray painted them silver, or you could do gray, but we had silver spray paint, made a grid on them, mm -hmm. and then cut out... I actually managed to find the outlines of the ships in like a decent resolution so I could blow them up to large. Nice. Cut those out and then did shot, like the little plastic shot glasses. And on the bottoms of them, I put little explosions that said kaboom. So when you did your <laughs> shot, you then flipped it over. So all of the boats had the shots. And when they did the grid, if it was one of those, then you do the shot. But that was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. That sounds like a good way for people to end up on the floor. We did do it as a team event. That's That sounds safer. Yeah. I feel like Shot Roulette would end up better as a team event as well. Probably. I mean, we've not used our Shot Roulette. Or not Shot Roulette. Shot, um... It's a roulette. Yeah, it is roulette. It's yeah, roulette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I thought it was craps all of a sudden. I was like, no, it's not right either. Yes. You could roll shots like craps, but you'd probably spill a lot. Spill them all over the place. It'd be a very uh, soaked green felt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and feel free to play them with 
non-alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it's more about the interaction or, you know, for instance, racing or something like that. Yeah. You could totally do the tic-tac-toe with something else. Yeah. I think um, someone did them with water because they don't drink and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Super I mean, hydrated by the end of the evening. So if that's- you're, you're going to do a flip cup and you've got somebody in the group who doesn't drink, do it with a seltzer or a soda, you know, because mm-hmm. it's more about the 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 speed and you know just have the same level of carbonation as you would mm-hmm. of a beer or something like that or a mixed drink well and that's the thing for beer pong that i've never liked is first of all like if you're using it the way it's supposed to be used you're putting a dirty ping pong ball in what you're drinking use water in those cups yeah and like what if you don't like beer do a mixed drink also i've always found it strange because that means that either You've got multiple people drinking out of those cups that a dirty ping pong ball has been bouncing around in, or you have to get fresh cups every time. Mm-hmm. So it's either unsanitary or not eco-friendly. You're not uh, washing recyclable bamboo cups in between rounds. I seriously doubt that if you are okay with a dirty on the floor ping pong ball in your beer, then you're probably not washing recyclable cups. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> But as far as other games that aren't board games or drinking games, there's some strange ones. Not strange. Older ones out there that I think are due for a comeback. And one is Scategories. Oh. Very good as a virtual game. That makes sense. You can just make sure everyone has a copy of the list and you're good to go. It's also kind of one of those evergreen games. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many games where you play them a few times and it doesn't have a high replayability. Whereas Scategories has a very high replayability. There's, I forget, 18 lists or something like that. Yeah, think about that. And so obviously they're always the same, but the categories are very generic. And because the letter changes, yeah, occasionally you might end up, if you play it a lot, getting the same letter category combination. But then the other thing is it's who you're playing with because you aren't allowed to have the same answer as another person. So your go-to answer for that category might be taken by somebody else that time. So you're looking for the weird answers. Yes. Yeah. But then equally, you could be looking for the weird answer and the really obvious one nobody takes because everyone was looking for the weird answer. That's fair. So it's one of those know your friends type of things. But then it's also just, you know, how quickly can you think on your feet? I definitely struggle with that sometimes. I was going to say, which is not everyone's (laughs) cup of tea. It's a good quick game. If you stop and have a chat between rounds, that's fine. It doesn't have a set amount of time to play, so you can play for as many rounds as you want. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good hanging out, relaxed type of a game. I'm all for games that you can transfer or play in big groups, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because that's the kind of thing where you can play with three people or you can play with eight. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's trying to find games that you can play with that many people. Mm Mm-hmm. Is the research department looking up which letters are not on? Yes, categories doesn't use Q, U, V, X, Y, and Z. Hmm. But I don't really see why. Just add to the challenge for that round. <laughs> I think I could see for some of those, there just aren't enough. Z, though, would... I don't know. I think Z is plausible. Z is plausible. Y, maybe. Q is probably the hardest. Yeah, I think Q would be difficult. Or U, maybe. Yeah. X would probably be very difficult. That's true. Yes. But yeah, that is one of those games... Same thing with Cards Against Humanity, Apples to Apples. You can get more people playing. Mm -hmm. 
one of the issues with a board game night is how many people you have. It's like one of those things that you have to either have a set group that's like a small number and that's your group that you play with all the time, or you need to play with a larger group. Like, how do you cut down your friends? Yeah. And even if you play as teams, not everything lends itself to teams. So you have to be ready for that. Mm Mm-hmm redneck life you aren't actually supposed to play with the pieces that it comes with you're supposed to play with beer bottle caps Mm -hmm. so you could really have as many people as you want playing yeah well and if you want to invest in the expansion pack it gives you that many more cards to play with yep that was one thing we found though between the two sets we didn't realize this because we've only ever played at our house or at theirs and because theirs was made after ours some of the cars were different oh So when we were saying, like, I'm buying the such and such car and they'd go through to take it out, it wouldn't be there or vice versa. That's crazy. So then you'd have to figure out what the equivalent one was. That's fair. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit is that way. If you have an older game, it's older trivia and the newer Mm -hmm. games are more recent stuff. Yeah. The nice thing is that the categories stay the same. Mm -hmm. And even if you get one of the expansion ones, if say you want to play virtually or you want to have a variety of cards... At least the colors are the same as well, which makes it easier to mix and match. Yeah, I can see that being difficult if versions have different things. Yeah. I have to say some of the newer versions have multiple choice. Oh. And I am less okay with that. That seems kind of like a gimme. Another one I don't understand. One of the versions we have, and it's just supposed to be basic trivia. It's not supposed to be anything in particular, but it has picture questions. Oh. So then you have to show this really tiny picture to the other person. I don't know why they decided to do that. That's a very strange thing. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Is it like a sketch of a tiger? You show it up and you're like, what kind of animal is this? Sort of. I remember one in particular was what kind of note is this for music? Oh. Yeah. It'll be hard to ask questions without showing the image on stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. But the images are quite small. So even if you're right there next to somebody, it's like, what the heck is that supposed to be? You're like, yeah, just just pass around the card with the answers on it. That seems like a good idea. One of the things about it is that you read the question off that card, but then there's other questions on that card that are going to go back in, you know, and rotate back through. And you don't really <clears> want everyone to know what the other questions are. I mean, I guess at some point everyone will, because if, if you're reading the card, you can read the others as well. But still, it's... Your memory would have to be impeccable. Well, story time. (laughs) Yeah, but this is you rigging the deck. This isn't about (laughs) proper memory. So when I was in elementary school, one of my cousins and myself decided that we were tired of our parents constantly winning at Trivial Pursuit. And we were up in Vermont on holiday with the families. And so while the parents were asleep and our bedroom that we were sharing was It was a weirdly laid out house. So we were sort of down in the basement. So we knew they couldn't hear us. So we snuck the children's box of cards down and basically memorized a good chunk of them between the two of us Mm -hmm. and set them all up at the front. Oh, no. And I mean, we, we memorized quite a few. Our parents were actually quite impressed with how many we managed to memorize. There you go. Once they figured out, they were trying to get further into the box. (laughs) But basically, yeah, memorized a bunch of the questions, rigged the box up so that those would be the ones they'd pull for us. So the next night when we were playing, we kept getting them all right. 
And they started to catch on that we were getting them all right. Why they didn't think we were just very smart? I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, we were very smart because <laughs> we came up with this brilliant plan. Uh, yeah, they ended up figuring it out and then reshuffling the cards. Wasn't this with Retro Denim's older jacket? No, no. It was oh. actually um, on the <laughs> other side of the family. Okay. Yes. They're not part of the hipster family then. Well, actually, this cousin is quite hipster. Mm. She works in film. Oh. Like nature documentaries type stuff. I wouldn't do anything in nature. Too many bugs. It's too hot. Too hot. Too cold. Too many insects. Mm-hmm. There's no roof. It's not worth it. <laughs> I will put it out there. I am not a camping person. I like camping, but it needs to be a campground that has a flush toilet or something like that. I like when you have a house and then the woods next to the house. That's my limit on camping. Must have a roof. No tents. Not being eaten by a pack of wild dogs. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) I do like a good cabin where it's got a decent amount of outdoors and you can kind of feel like you're out in nature, but you also have an indoor place to sleep. I also don't want to stay at any of those underwater hotels. I don't care how beautiful the fish and the sharks and the reefs are. That thing is going to collapse and I'm going to drown. (laughs) It sounds dangerous. I don't think I'd be comfortable. See, I don't usually feel claustrophobic, but I kind of feel like I would there, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I would not be able to sleep. I bet the ocean's really loud too at night. Oh, probably is. One of those where you're like, oh, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, but it's going to be quiet and peaceful, but there's bugs and insects and owls and everything going on. Cicadas. Mm -hmm. Bet you the ocean's loud. I like cicadas. Worst. Yeah, I like them for a week or so, and then then please, sweet merciful. See, I have issues if it's too quiet. I can't handle it. I was on a, a job. Dear Lord, it was so quiet where we were. The hotel was just so quiet. I had to download an app on my phone that sounded like a fan. Just so that I had some sort of noise. I have been known, if it's too quiet, to find like a YouTube video or a Spotify playlist where it's like five hours of brown noise, because I strongly dislike white noise. Yeah, white noise sounds like something's broken yeah. to me. Yeah, I don't like the white noise type. No, it's got to be something. I like a fan, though. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I find I have a lot of trouble with is if it's super dark. Now, I hate waking up to the sun. But I need some sort of ambient light at night. If we go out see her to job Kato's parents, they don't have street lights. Oh. So it is pitch black. Yeah, no, there's there's no there's no lights. It's whatever your headlights provide or your flashlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I know for a lot of people is ideal sleeping conditions. Quiet, so no traffic, no street lights, but it's too quiet and too dark for me. I like the dark, but not the quiet. Yeah, I I concur. I have a tendency to go to sleep really late at night. And as soon as there's a little bit of ambient light peeking through my window because the sun's starting to rise, I toss on a sleeping mask. I don't mind. I've been known to go to sleep as the sun is coming up. It's never bothered me, though. I don't like east-facing windows. Yep. That is direct sun in your eyes, especially when the hipster cats decide that the curtains need to be opened because it's morning. (laughs) And so they open them up so that they can look out the window and still see us, which means that you get a big old shaft of sun right into your eyes. That sounds so nice of them to provide sunlight for you. (laughs) (laughs) I rigged a deck of cards once. For a game or for a magic trick? Yes, that's the sound of whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it was Old Maid, which I don't even remember how to play the game. 
but it was just me. I'm only child, so I had the only person to rig a deck with was myself. <laughs> so it was me versus the adults, and I don't know, it was like 10 o'clock at night whenever we were asleep. I went into the bathroom, stacked the deck so that it would work in my favor. I guess mom must have noticed the light on in the bathroom and came to check on me after a while. So I got busted, and she didn't even care. She's just like, go back to sleep. <laughs> It's the middle of the night. He's a tired parent, I think. <laughs> like, not even worth it. Just just go to sleep. Because you know how you were trying to get rid of the old maid. Did you always do that thing where you purposely try to put that card up higher, if you have it, or whichever card you want them to take, as though somehow they're not going to notice that you've made that card stick up just a little bit more? And yet every child does it. <laughs> I At a certain point, I started to put it lower. Yeah. Because I'm that person. And I was just like, tap it just a little bit lower. The problem I always had with any of those games is that I cannot have my cards randomized. Yep. And everyone in the family knows this, so they know which one to pull. Mm -hmm. And it's very annoying. And no matter how hard I try, I can't do it. I cannot shuffle them. No. I just can't look at them and create order out of that chaos. My brain just doesn't work that way. They need to be paired up. Otherwise, I just can't handle it. Apparently, the loser of Old Maid is supposed to pay for the drinks. And yet it's usually a children's game. Yeah. Yep, nowadays. Well, I'm keeping that in mind when we play with the nieces and nephews. Is it the loser pays for the milk? (laughs) Pay for the non-dairy milk. Wow. (laughs) Dang, the research department. Oh, bicycle cards, yeah. I'm just finding the stories that the people want to know about. Well, in case you didn't know the official rules of Old Maid, now you know. Yeah. You have to buy the drinks. See, I always liked War over Gold, uh, Go Fish or Old Maid mm-hmm. or Gold Maid, um, as I was trying to say. Gold Maid. Yeah. Sounds like a professional wrestler. It does. Wouldn't it be like Gold Maiden, though? Or a cocktail. Ooh. That would make a delicious cocktail. With Goldschlager? Yeah, could. And Fireball? Do you need two cinnamons? Can't have too much cinnamon. Except the cinnamon challenge. Nope, don't do that. Don't do, no that. do that. That's too much cinnamon. Don't do that. Or rub it on your face. This is off topic, but actually most of what we say is off topic. I kind of feel like we should compare Goldschlager and Fireball and maybe some of the other cinnamon ones, because I bet you that there is probably a difference in them that would make them really disgusting together. Oh, they're totally different. They're like fine wines. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oftentimes when I look at Fireball, I think that's a distinguished... It's just people that aren't in the know, which is not part of the club. (laughs) Well, I just, I like cinnamon, you know, red hots and things like that. And I don't mind the cinnamon alcohols. I just don't love them as much as you do. Well, as I said, you're not part of the club. Well, maybe I don't want to be part of that club. Maybe that club's uh, too mainstream. It's exclusive for forest dwelling creepers like me. (laughs) I didn't say you were the creeper. Maybe they just show up because you're there. Oh, I thought the insinuation was I bring the creep. In our debut album. (laughs) (laughs) I bring the creep. I bring the creep. (laughs) So back into nerd games, actually. So one of the things that I've noticed is trending a lot, especially during lockdown, has been Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a small step from when people get back into being able to meet in person and playing the sort of dungeon crawler type games like Munchkin, Boss Monster, things like that. But it's interesting that it's become such a popular thing. Well, so popular, they're making another Dungeons & Dragons movie. Yeah. The first one was a spectacular flop. They made a first one? Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, 
I mean, if you like bad cheesy movies, then yeah, sure, turn it on on a Saturday afternoon. The point is, it's not winning any awards. It's winning awards in your heart. Actually, it might have won like a cinematography something. There are several movies that I watch that just hold a special place in my heart, but are quite terrible. Yep. And this one, it does. So I'm hesitant on whether or not I want to see the new one. I will probably. Although I'm getting really tired of remakes. Mm hmm. I know there's no such thing as a new idea, but can we at least pretend that it's a new idea rather than just straight out being like, oh, we're doing this again? Yeah. And up front, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I feel like if they were remaking the movie, they wouldn't have to stick with the same plot because there are multiple campaigns you can go on. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if it'll be the same plot even. I'm not sure how much of a remake it's going to be or if they will come up with a new plot. Speaking of remakes that never needed to happen, I love the original Laura Croft movies. Angelina Jolie is fabulous as Laura Croft. They did, yeah, they did not need to make that again. Video game movies and comic book movies sell. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to keep making them. I feel like there's so many other comics and video games that they could make out there. Yeah. We have to backtrack a little bit. It didn't win any awards, but Dungeons & Dragons 2000 version was nominated for several, including Worst Picture, Worst Sense of Direction, Worst Supporting Actress, Most Intrusive Musical Score, Least Special, (laughs) (laughs) Least Special Special Effects, Most Unfunny Comic Relief. And then Thora Birch was nominated for Best Supporting Young Actress, so there was one that was reasonable for me. (laughs) I've never heard of a most intrusive music. That's that's like next level. Really terrible. That was at the... St- <laughs> at the Razzies? Not... <laughs> it was um, at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, apparently. Not the Razzies. Oh, so they weren't even getting nominated for Razzies? No. Aww. It didn't even qualify. <laughs> it wasn't bad enough for the Razzies. Or it was too bad for the Razzies. Oh, apparently Stinker's uh, award stopped in 2006 was the last time they issued the... Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some really great uh, categories. Yeah. So there you are. Now, something that I am okay with them making remakes of, or special editions, is when they redo a board game, but for a movie or, for instance, historical time period. Yes. Such as the... Is it National... English Heritage. Guess Who? I love Guess Who. It's such an underrated game. It really is. It's such a fantastic game. And then this, you know, they did a historical people and characters version. Except that there's clearly two or three questions that like take 80% and 90% away no yeah. matter what you do. I mean, the the one issue with doing major historical figures or was it kings and queens is that basically Are they male or female? Mm -hmm. Either eliminates no one or eliminates a lot of people. And did she die without her head? Yeah. But I do have to say, I like those types of things. I like the fun, quirky, alternate versions of the main games. Is that a Bridgerton version? I don't know if there's a Bridgerton version. It's a romance novel, so I can't imagine... I I don't know why I just assumed people had to die for guess who, but (laughs) no, never mind. It would totally make sense. (laughs) No, you aren't actually (laughs) killing people. You're just flipping their cards down. Guess who died? (laughs) This is like a really violent version of the game. (laughs) Every time Retro Denim Jacket played guess who as a child, she assumed that they were being killed. Are they wearing a hat? No, they're not. All right, then. Kill everyone with a hat. (laughs) 
didn't play that way. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, there's yeah. a children's version of Clue or Cluedo for the British audience. Yes. It takes we place had in a that. pet shop. Yep. What? It's a little, you yeah. know, a little magnifying glass, and it, the cards are like that blue pink text. So it's hidden unless you look very closely with the naked eye. That's really extra. Who stole the tortoise? Oh, so no one died? No, no you were just trying to figure <laughs> out who stole the pet. It's for children. Oh, I do like Clue, though. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Both the game and the film. I don't think I've seen the film. Oh, you have to see the film. But I love the game. Oh, Cluedo Jr. looks like it might not take place in a pet shop. Yeah. The film is really good, and it's got various endings. What? Which was genius, because the way they did it was that you didn't know what ending you were going to get when you went to the theater. No way. Brilliant way to get people to go back, yeah. That's so cool. So the murderer wasn't always the same person. Cluedo Jr. appears to be a mystery about who killed Mr. Potato Head. That's got to be a new version. Or gender-neutral Potato Head nowadays. Yeah, it's no longer Mr. Potato Head. But what are you when you have feet for years? (laughs) <laughs> but what are you when you have feet? <laughs> <laughs> your hands are at the bottom of your body and your head and like your head is your sneakers. Yes. Yeah. They had like so many different lip options and mm-hmm. I remember actually putting the lips on myself. Oh yeah. And walking around with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like those fake candies or whatever, where they just run around with the lips. Those wax uh, vampire yeah. lips. Yeah. They're too small though, even for small children, it doesn't look right. <laughs> Where's realism in our wax candies? In our wax candies? We had these bottles. They were wax bottles and they had like liquid in them. I loved those. Orange flavored or green flavored. Like liquid candy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Remember a blue one? Yeah. They also made an entire pack of uh, Coca-Cola ones. And then you just bit off the wax top and poured the contents into your mouth. Yep. It's a weird concept for a product. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I do feel like interactive candies were such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like the candies that you'd lick and dip. Oh. The little buttons oh, that yeah. came on the strips of paper. Mm-hmm. You basically the, ate most of the paper. paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did love the lick and dip. Like, to this day, still very much enjoy those. If I can find one, I'll grab it. I never liked the powder. I'd rather just eat the stick. The stick was tasty. I didn't mm. like the stick. I liked the powder, which is why I was always more partial to pixie sticks, because that was essentially just the powder. Yeah, but the problem with pixie sticks is the possibility of licking the end and then not being able to get any of the dust. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. You had to like really open your mouth and just kind of dump that <laughs> in and try not to choke. <laughs> the cinnamon challenge of sugar. Uh, do they even still make pixie sticks? Because thinking about it, Probably. that doesn't sound they safe. They have to. <laughs> it's paper. Are we keeping all this content for this podcast or for a different one? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, we haven't discussed card games as in like bridge, heart, spades. I like gin. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I like both gins. <laughs> I've noticed something that is coming back is bridge. So I've seen a lot more bridge groups for sort of encouraging college students or fresh out of college or young adults to join bridge groups and learn bridge. There's been a lot more online Mm -hmm. bridge. You can like learn to play bridge online during lockdown. So I think that's something that's and I think it's interesting because our parents used to talk about our grandparents having bridge club. Mm -hmm. 
And so when we were younger, it was always like what the old people played. Mm-hmm. And I think it is one of those things that comes back around, you know, what was considered old fashion suddenly then becomes retro and then becomes cool again. Mm-hmm. And I think Bridge has, has done that cycle and is now coming back into popularity. Yeah, because I never, like, I, I knew grandparents that had Bridge clubs and I never, ever learned to play it. Nope. I know my mom knows how to play, but we never did play it. We played hearts a lot. Mm-hmm. Hearts is good, but there's always that one person at the table that doesn't realize when someone's trying to shoot the moon, and then you, you can't stop it because they're not paying attention. Yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah. Yep. I think spades doesn't get enough love. My dad is very, very good at card games, and hearts is one of those things that he constantly just shoots the moon. I remember him sitting us down and teaching us how to count cards. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not super complicated. You have to have the um, focus. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be playing if you're not focused. You're not focused. Nope. <laughs> Hearts and spades are happening. I don't care what the conversation is going on. It's go time. I do like spades. That's a pretty decent one to be able to play online as well. Yeah. I used to play that on Yahoo Games before it folded. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they used to have it as a computer game as well, even if you weren't online. Hearts was. I had a computer game for spades, and the characters were like a dog, a monkey, a butler, and like a Indiana Jones looking guy. But maybe computer games are best left for another podcast. Okay. So I, I think we've come to the end of this board, and much like Redneck Life, I think it's probably Day of Reckoning for this podcast episode. <laughs> I'm bored of this exit. <laughs> So thanks again for joining us. Remember to rate us if you liked us. Give us a follow and head on over to hipsteratome.co.uk to check out our blog and keep track of what's going on. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Bye.